0: And just like that, we are right back at it. Dr. Pain Show is ready to go. By the way, this is a call-in show, so if you have pain, discomfort, some issues, would love to hear from you over the next hour here, 416 870 6,400 star, 640 on your cell. Info at paincarecandidate.com to get a hold of uh, Dr. Lou. when it comes to email. It is a uh, December weekend right here, pal. We're, we're already at the end of 2018. It's hard to believe, and uh, we've had very little snow, so slips and falls aren't yet an issue. It's going to be super warm tomorrow, as we heard Jeremy say, but I know there's uh, there's things you want to talk about and get to this, uh, this hour, pal. How are you? Good. Yourself? Good man, I'm well.
1: Your sound, uh, your voice sounds pretty painful.
0: Yeah, this is. uh, You're a little sick there. Yeah, this is my this is my cold slash movie trailer voice. Did you uh, you get
1: the flu shot? No. Oh, why not? Because I'm 48. What? (laughs) I'm I'm not six or
0: 606. when I get the flu shot? Wow, you sound very different. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's it's, this. This is my movie trailer voice. It's It's just for you. Yeah, we'll do we'll do movie trailers after this. (laughs) In a world where there's discomfort. Dr. Payne. What what are you have going on? Just just um, uh, runny nose, Yeah, yeah it's, stuff. It's seasonal crap and I have a kid. What are you going to do? That's Same a, old. You're just going to blame it on the kid, eh? Just, I have you know what though? I want to tell you this. Yeah. I want to tell you this right off the top my uh sister-in-law who is under your care doing remarkably well and for the first time in her life she's actually stuck to something and that is coming in to do her physio. So we're going to have her on the show next weekend talking Good. about that. So before really that hear that. Yeah, awesome. man, what's going on with you?
1: Um you know, the, the regular stuff, the last few yep. weeks, we've uh, um, we've very much focused in on the knee again. So I've uh, been seeing a lot of knee cases. Um, and I, I mean, the, the process, it, it works so, so really well. I mean, we had a patient that uh, um, she sustained a car accident and very shortly after that car accident. She st- started having some pretty extreme knee pain um, to mm-hmm. the point where she almost was hobbling on it. So we got her in right away. She saw one of the surgeons right away. They were pretty confident based on their testing um, that, yes, this is a meniscal tear. Uh, MRI was ordered. We got that MRI a few days later. And you know, all within, I'd say, a week of her symptoms starting, we knew she had a large meniscal tear and she's about to go in for surgery next week. So that just highlights why we're doing the program that we're doing. It's essentially... If, if that patient doesn't follow through with this type of program or chooses to opt out a different way, and let's take a more traditional approach where, say, okay, you start having some pain, you go maybe to your family doctor, your walk-in clinic, um, you're told to do a little bit of therapy, take some medications, whatnot, you try that for a few weeks, no real big results, uh, you go back, finally they say, okay, let's send you off to see a specialist, mm-hmm. you see that surgeon maybe a few months later, um, and then all of the same things, MRI, maybe a few months later and by when it's all said and done, you're talking that could be a six month process, right? Versus a week. And I mean the research is clear on anything when it comes to health. The sooner you intervene, the better your outcomes are. And and that's just the reality because if you have a torn meniscus, the more time you spend on it, the more time you spend doing things, all it's going to do is become harder. And I mean, one of the other things, uh, which we talk about all the time, is what happens when you sustain an injury and that message consistently goes from brain to, to the area of injury. So in this case, the knee. And that message keeps going back and forth, back and forth. And that creates, creates that component of learned pain, which is the psychological Aspect of pain. So, uh, by getting to these things quickly, we eliminate that too. Because that that learned behavior. Um, I mean, the research isn't absolutely clear, but we can pretty much say it's in the three to six month mark. Where if you if you're dealing with something more than that period of time, definitely the six month mark. You can almost term it chronic at that point. And and again, chronic is is chronic because now there's that learned component, the the psychological aspect of it, and. That's very very hard to to change, right? Because it's like almost telling someone, "Well, you you know how to ride a bike. I want you to forget how to ride a bike now." Yeah, you know, right. we it's very very hard to forget neurological pathways that are created or or to get rid of them. Now, it's not impossible to help manage and things, but you're dealing with the difference between a solution and a management. And and really, you know, I, I I've often said that pain, the pain care, and the things we do is very much management. But I think if you intervene early. You have a better you have a better shot at a solution versus just management, um, and especially things that require surgery. Like you should be getting those things as soon as possible. Um, and you know, I mean, most people are afraid of surgery or are hesitant, don't want to go that route, which is fine. And I th- and I'm I'm definitely um, someone who takes a more conservative approach with always starting with least invasive to most invasive, but definitely if if it's required, then then it, it is usually the best choice. So. You know, lots of knee issues that we've been seeing. And I mean, we're doing this for a lot of things. The the, the team that, that I've been able to put together over the last number of years, um, the, the the patients that we have, the quality of care that they get, I, I want to say second to none, only because they have this immediate access to specialists and to different things that otherwise can take a very long time um, in our healthcare system to get. And so even people with shoulder injuries, uh, yeah. I, I was saying a few weeks ago we had someone with a similar type of story where they tore a bicep and you know within a week and a half time of tearing their bicep they were already in surgery and in that time they had seen the specialist a few times had had the MRI uh, everything was uh, and now he is uh he's doing very well he's I believe now three weeks into his recovery he's moving his arm again I mean it takes time to recover he's doing the yep. therapy that's required but he's working through everything and and that's very very important and and that quick care makes makes the outcomes, the prognosis, which is how likely someone is to improve from whatever they're suffering from, how likely that is to get better. And and uh, I mean, it's just been remarkable. And I think the quality of care um, that my team is providing for for the public is, I, I'm very happy of it. I'm very proud of it. It's uh, it's something that I, I find great pleasure in because we get people better uh, the way they need to get better.
0: And again, I want to remind you this is a call and show. You've got pain, discomfort, some health questions, bring them on. That's what we do every week here on the show. 416-870-640-star 6400 star forty on sale. Lots more. The Dr. Pain shows on the way. This is Global News Radio. You bet Star 640 works as well to call that number till the uh, well the remainder of the hour anyway. You yeah, have pain concerns, something bothering you, want some answers, or at least get started on it. Uh, Doctor Lou is here for that. Yeah, 416 870 6400 star 640 on sale. You know, you mentioned the uh, the learn pain the chronic pain, It would it be fair to say that in your experience with your team, even you may, from a physical standpoint, have cured someone's knee or shoulder problem or otherwise. But because now it's a learned pain, now it's simply the mental part of it, even though the physical part is 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 long gone. Is that possible?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and, no. and that is actually the definition, well, part potentially part of the definition of some chronic pain, where there's actually an absence of a physical problem. And whether that was you know, quote unquote, cured by some type of intervention or cured by, you know, just time, just natural, natural time, natural history of a disease process. Um, Yes. And and that's why chronic pain, again, is so very difficult because there very well could be pain with the absence of a physical problem. And again, the the example that I, I use all the time to highlight that is phantom limb pain. Right. Um, when someone has an actual limb missing, but they might have pain in that missing foot, there is clearly an absence of a physical problem. There is no foot for there to be a physical problem in, but that person is still feeling pain um, in that foot and, and where that foot would be in that in that spatial relation, which is incredible because when you see there, these patients, they're actually pointing to an area where that limb would actually be if it wasn't removed. And yeah. Um, And I mean, that very, very much shows us that this is not just simply a physical process. The pain is not just something. And it's not. It's not. And and here's the thing. And this is what I, I consistently say to people. If I severed your spinal cord, you would feel nothing. And the reason why that is, is because there's a communication between body and brain it is your brain. Your brain is your motherboard. It's what's interpreting right. every single thing that's happening at every single moment. doesn't matter what it is. My voice that you're listening to right now, the things you're feeling, everything is being interpreted in your brain and your brain is the control center. So I always like to make that distinction because sometimes you get people when you start talking about this, they, their, their default is, so you're saying I'm crazy. No, I'm not saying you're crazy. This has nothing to do with crazy. This has to do with being human, with being alive. This is just the way we're built. This is not your fault or anyone else's fault. This is just the way we are as humans. We experience everything in our brain. Our brain is our control center. And so the same way it controls our emotions, our Mm -hmm. thoughts, our memories, it just makes sense that it would also control our pain levels. Um, And I mean, this is the exact reason why when you're looking at chronic pain, you have to start to consider not just psychological, but social factors, right? So people, it's not uncommon to find people who are in chronic pain and might, for example, you know, be in a very bad relationship, for example, or hate their job or whatever social thing that you want to put there. And all of these things that your psychosocial disposition contributes to what you will feel in your body. Absolutely. I mean- if if there's lots of bad things going on in your life, most people will say, "Yeah, I tend to feel worse in those times." Versus, you know, if you found out you won the lottery, you'd probably feel great, um, and, and that's just simply because your mind will change what what is being experienced in your body in that in that case. And so, it's it's an extremely important thing. And I mean, again, once you get to that, it, that's where you're dealing with the management, and management is 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 tough, and 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 it's hard work, um, and that's why really. I mean, the biggest goal I think we should aim for with this show, and sometimes I think about this, isn't just the pain management. It's how do you get, in, how do you get people early and, and get them early so that you prevent that? Because I know right. how hard that is to treat. And that's why a lot of the programs that I'm setting up now are very much tailored towards early intervention. Um, and, and because with that early intervention, we can mitigate h- how much of a likelihood we have of potentially mm-hmm. developing a chronic issue, um, which is, I think, very, very
0: important. And and the research is clear on that. The number one eight five 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 Doctor Lou drlou that is when the show is not on the air. You want to hook up with Dr. Lou and uh, pursue uh, whatever it is uh, ails you. Uh, but for here, for the remainder of the hour, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. It is a call-in show, of course. You know, it was remarkable in the first uh, segment you mentioned that uh, you're getting turned around uh, with knees as we focused on in the first part of a week. That is like, uh, that's like America. <laughs> that's like really <laughs> quick. I mean, how do you manage that up here? Yeah, and I think
1: I, I, there's no there's no good um, solution for the whole system, right? And, right? and but we're creating what we can create in our clinics, and and so um, we've been able to create a process which allows specialists to see these people this quickly, and, and and it's just very important. It's you know it's not something that's available in every single corner. This is specialized with with our clinics, uh, but it, it does do a very very important service in getting people in quickly for sure.
0: You know, we've had Dr. Gordon and Dr. Bergava on several times on the show and I guess part of that is the uh, the PRP, right, which yes. I know we've been uh, we've been pumping out there for a few months now and you've had remarkable results with that as well.
1: Yes, if you're the right candidate for that. Right. So a lot right. of people um hear either the show or the ads about the PRP and and I'm happy to have the conversation. That's why why I do these things. Uh, but it's not the solution for everybody and that's mm-hmm. important. So we're not we are not, a, you know, one solution for every problem type of clinic. That's not the way it works. We, it's just simply here's another tool that we have that may very well be beneficial for you. And, I mean, we very much base it on the clinical experience and the research that's available. And as long as, obviously, the patient wants it done. And if it all makes sense, um, then we do it. And, I, and the research, I mean, we, we primarily will do these for knee osteoarthritis, arthritis of the mm-hmm. knee. If it's mild to moderate, that's where the research is best to support the intervention. Once you start moving moderate to severe, the likelihood that it will help starts to diminish, uh, but it doesn't mean that it's not going to help at all or that it couldn't potentially help. It's just, I like to give people the real stats and the real stats are that if you're in mild to moderate, um, you have about a 75 to 80% chance of the injection working, which are very, very good odds. Uh, once you start moving moderate to severe, those those numbers go down. Um, and so you know, I mean, we've even talked about cortisone injections on the yep. show, and mm-hmm. I, it's they're, overall, they're not great, but that doesn't mean they're not good for anybody. There are people that I see and I say, hey, try it because so here's here's something to consider when you see somebody. Okay. Number one, a cortisone injection um, is very inexpensive compared to a PRP injection. You're talking a, a difference between something that's in, you know, uh, 10 20 dollars for a cortisone injection uh, and all the way you know starting at around six or seven hundred dollars for a PRP injection so from a financial perspective it's cheaper um, sure. if you're only doing it once there's very low risk to that um, and if it potentially helps that's great and it does help a certain subsect of the population that suffers from these types of conditions and so I'm not saying we never do those things or that my team never does those things. No, absolutely we do. But we, again, we very much try to match up the right person with the right intervention because that's how you can ensure a better
0: outcome. And that's the way healthcare should be. Yeah, agreed. And a lot of it's cost-benefit, pardon me in that regard. It's cost-benefit. Absolutely. initial outlay for the PRP might be great, but man, the results can, as you say, with the right person be phenomenal. Absolutely, yes. We'll take a short break. I see you there, Deborah. Hang on the line as long as I can hang on <clears throat> for you as well. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on sale. Doctor Payne show right here on Global News Radio. Taking part in at least part of your Saturday mornings here, the Doctor Payne show at eleven a.m. right till twelve. Four one six eight 416-870-6400, star six forty on sale. It is a call-in show. If you have uh, pain concerns, health concerns, feel free to call in and get Doctor Lou to uh, to comment and give some some advice. Deborah, thank you so much for uh, for hanging on. Good morning. How are you?
2: I'm good, thank you.
0: Good, go ahead. What's your uh, what's your issue?
2: Um, it's regarding my mother. She has really bad spinal stenosis, and she gets extreme pain in her legs and numbness. And she just doesn't know what to how to deal with the pain. She's 89 years old. I mean, otherwise, she's in amazing shape. Uh, she's up- taking CBD oil, but she's only been taking it for maybe a week, a week and a half, and she hasn't found any relief with that. So we just don't know where to go. She's been to an osteopath and nobody seems to give her any help. Where at all.
1: where do you live? Where does your mom live, Deborah?
2: She lives in Mississauga. Okay.
1: Yeah, she so those are not the right approaches to spinal stenosis. Um okay. spinal stenosis is very much I mean, it number one, it's a progressive issue. Um so yeah. it's nothing that can essentially be reversed. It is what it is. But you can improve symptomatically um, the things that are going on so that the person can at the very least start to walk a little bit um, and, and increase how much time before their legs develop these symptoms. It's very much, de- stenosis is very much treated based on posture and exercise. Um, and all of the other things really don't do very much, and there's not good research to support anything except those things. Um, and your mom needs to be doing these things. These are things that she would be shown, and, and she would be doing them every single day, multiple times a day. And so that is the right approach for spinal stenosis. I mean, um, a number of weeks ago we had uh, Dr. Carlo Amendolia, um, who's uh, one of the e- uh, spinal stenosis experts from Mount Sinai, um, in, and we very much went in this topic in depth about what the right approach is to spinal stenosis. So what I would recommend is bring your mom in to see me for an assessment. We'll assess where she is with 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 her stenosis, and then we we'll, we will make the right recommendations. Um, in terms of what are the things that she should be doing and what are the things she should not be doing, uh, in terms of positions, postures, and exercises, and that is the best approach. Now, could the other things, the CBD oils, help a little bit to control the pain potentially? But that's not the answer on its own. Absolutely not. And and if she's just doing that, then she'll never she'll never find any relief that way.
2: She does do exercises now. Maybe she's
1: doing the wrong exercises. That's, yeah. I don't know. Yep, yeah. and that's a lot of it. Is the wrong is the wrong things, not just exercises, but the wrong body postures, the wrong okay. uh, positions. Um, it it all comes down very much to understanding what spinal stenosis is and what happens within the spine. And and just a quick, you know, overview. Spinal stenosis is when there's a narrowing of the canal where the nerves come through. Um, out of the back that go into the leg. And when that canal narrows, that puts pressure on that nerve. And that's why people feel those s- neurological symptoms into the leg. What ends up happening with that canal, there are positions that can make that canal more closed, which would equal more pressure on the nerve versus there are positions that you can do to open up the canal or that hole, which would, inc- it would, which would equal less pressure on the nerve, which would uh, minimize symptoms. And so You need to be able to do the right things consistently because, again, this is something that's inside of you. It's there all the Mm -hmm. time. So as much as possible, you need to be doing the right things to control that. So um, I need to see your mom in order to make the the specific right recommendations, uh, but it it, it needs to be answered. It, It needs to be an intervention with those three things that I've mentioned.
2: Oh, that'd be great. So, and and where where are you? low? can I get the information of where you are? Yes. To get an
1: appointment with you. Yes. Yeah, so, John, you know, yeah, you Deborah.
0: Uh, yep. Yeah, Appreciate you. Bet I do. Otherwise, Deborah. there's
1: no point to you, John. Yeah.
0: Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to be here. I can go make coffee. Uh, Deborah, here is that number: one eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou, D R L O U. Again, one eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou. Email. I'll reach out as well. Info at Pain Care Canada. Dot com. Have you noticed an increase, um, I guess, since you started your practice in stenosis as being a, uh, a problem with people? Is it posture? Is it lifestyle? Is it, you know, 20th century? It's, what do you think? It's, it's being alive. So, you know, yeah. even when Dr. Amendolia was on, um,
1: the one thing that spinal stenosis does not, there's research that dates back to hundreds of years ago. It's as prevalent as it was before. Um, it's as prevalent in this country as it is in other countries. Mm-hmm. It's really a degenerative process, right? So as the spine breaks down um, and and the, the holes start to narrow just because of, of the normal aging process, it affects us. And so right. if you live long enough, you could almost essentially say that everyone to some point will have some of it. It's just in certain people, there's more of it than others. And in some people, it expedites quicker. Like, I mean, Previous injuries in an area will expedite that process, but it is very much co- uh, more common in the elderly population just because of exactly what it is, which is a degenerative process, an arthritic process um, with, with breaking down. Now, a lot of stenosis, the term stenosis means a narrowing of a canal. A lot of things yes. can narrow a canal. You could have a tumor narrowing a canal. But what we're talking about is specifically degenerative stenosis where there's degeneration and, and that normal process leads to that narrowing of that canal.
0: I remember uh, when we had uh, Dr. Amadila on the show, and he mentioned that Japan, who as a society are generally the longest lived, very healthy, they have remarkable diets, they exercise a very high percentage of stenosis yes. because of all those things, because yes. they have a very aged population, right? Absolutely. And I mean, yeah. all, all populations around the world are aging right now because
1: of the baby boomers, right? So so we're right. definitely going to see an increase in the amount of spinal stenosis, um as time goes on, absolutely and and unfortunately, it just is what it is. it's it's the normal process of uh, mm-hmm. of aging and and we need to be able to control it. but i i I mean, I, I actually went to go after we had Dr. amendoli on the show. I, I went and spent a day with him at his clinic and wow. uh, and I got to meet some of the patients that he's treated with his program. and the results are incredible. Uh, they're absolutely stunning. like you have some people who are coming in initially at the beginning of this program who, couldn't walk 20 steps without, you know, their legs going numb and being fatigued. And all of a sudden they're walking a couple hundred yards. Um, And again, you know, we're not dealing with like you're going from not being able to walk 50 steps to running a marathon. But that's Mm -hmm. not what these people dealing with stenosis are looking for. They just want to maintain their independence. They want to, I I mean, being able to walk a few hundred yards means you can go to the grocery store. You can walk around, get the things you need and go home. Right. Like that's, that's what we're, that's huge. Exactly. Versus if you can't even walk to your front door to get out the house. You know th- yeah. that that's massive. Those improvements are stunning, and that's being done with no intervention except for posture, exercise, and um, and avoiding certain movements. and And it's incredible. And if people stick with it, it works tremendously. And so um, this stuff it, it works if it's done. And I mean, the reality is a lot of these pain management things are solved with exercise intervention and 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 you just you got to find the people who want to do it and 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 i see it all the time in in practice it's the people who want to get better will get better because they'll do the right things and the people who don't want to do those things that want to look for the shortcut you're not going to get better it's that's just the way it works you got this is hard work when these things happen and you have to and you have to work hard that's all there is to it
0: We'll talk more about that after a short break. The phone lines are open for you. It is a call-in show. You have questions, just like Deborah did, bring them on. You still got till uh, close to 12 o'clock this morning. It is star 640 on cell. This is the Dr. Payne Show. It's right here on Global News Radio. Dr. Payne show is here. Anytime you want to contact Dr. Lou, no problem. One eight five 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 five. Dr. Lou D R L O U. Info at paincarecanada dot com. And for the remainder of a half hour as well, we are taking your calls at four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on your cell. We'll get to uh, to Mohammed. Hey, Mohammed. Good morning. Hey, how are you, man? Good, pal. What's uh, what's going on with you?
3: Hey, buddy, I had um, I had two knee surgeries in the past. One mm-hmm. with ACL and meniscus and uh, second time I had a effect to be done on the right knee about 50% on the lateral side uh, the last couple of years uh, what I developed is if I try to go down the stairs or do any type of movement regarding squats or even jogging or anything like that the muscle right above the knee seems to catch and it's not it's not I don't think it's firing I've done all sorts of treatments to it the specialists can't figure it out the physios can't figure out what, what
1: sort of treatment have you done to it
3: um we've done a uh, shockwave We've done our ultrasound, um, I had massage therapy done on it, um, I had acupuncture done on okay. it.
1: Have you rehabilitated your muscles?
3: Absolutely. Um, I've went through the uh, rehab protocol, um, now to a point where if I even try to take a jump shot in the basketball gym
1: mm-hmm. or go down the and, stairs, and you're doing those exercises still to this day um, every day?
3: To, to the day. I do about twice a week. Um, I do That's the, not the, enough.
1: You have to do seven times a week. 'Cause there's okay. seven days and you have to do it probably two or three times in every okay. single day. Okay. Yeah, um, when you when you're trying to strengthen something that you're right is probably not firing properly, two yeah. times a week is is a drop of water in an ocean. Um okay. so You know, again, and and that's me sort of commenting without seeing your knee, you might have something else going on, but what I can tell you when it comes to rehabilitation of these issues, number one, you've had your meniscus removed, which means you're more likely to sustain the degenerative process of your knee, and that may very well be what's going on as well, right? So you've had multiple traumas and then multiple surgeries, which probably means that that knee is going to break down quicker than the other knee, which wouldn't have had those things. So that arthritic process can cause pain, swelling, all of those things. But even when it comes to osteoarthritis of the knee, severe osteoarthritis of the knee, a lot of the new research that, that is coming out that we're applying is very much de- dependent on same thing like we were talking about stenosis a second ago. It's about doing exercises all the time to control the issue. Um, and then when you're at the right time, the good thing with the knee is as long as you can delay it long enough, once you get to the right point, then you have a total knee replacement, and that should solve the majority of your issues for a period of time. How old are you?
3: I'm 35 right now.
1: So you're so extremely uh, young, so that definitely shouldn't be an option right now. But um, you know, I'd be interested again to see. I'd, I, to, to be specific, I need to see you um, uh-huh. in order to assess you, determine what's going on with the knee, uh, the functional aspects of it, and and look at you know potentially what the options are. Um, and maybe there's something that's being missed, right? That's always a possibility. That- always a possibility. I was speaking to someone yesterday um, about an issue, and they they're. A lot of people sort of, you know, he said, he mentioned that something happened um, and he he had this bite on his arm. And then after that, he's developed all these other things. So when things happen in a sequential order like that, a lot of times people think, well, that must be the result of it. Sometimes it's just coincidence. You can have more than one issue going on. So although you've had previous knee surgeries and these things and we, and, and, you know, we might be assuming that it's related to these things, it might also be something not related to that. Um, And so we have to consider all possibilities.
3: Um, it seems like I'm putting more pressure now that I look at it on the left side as opposed to the right side And it seems like I never got the full extension in the right leg So there's a kind of bent in the leg itself um, mm-hmm. If I look in the mirror, one leg looks like it's, it's, it's like the one that had the trauma done on it. it looks like it's bending out of it, it's weird, but um, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, so, And that might be related to swelling as well, which yeah, would prevent yeah. Um, yeah. Full extension, but yeah, that, that's why that's why I need to assess the knee is essentially to oh, wow. look at those types of things and see exactly um, what's going on, and then we from there once we we have an idea of what the the problem is, um, then we can make the right recommendations for care. But as a general rule, when it comes to exercises, you got to do them, and this isn't just for you. This is for anybody listening. Mm-hmm. If you've been given exercises, those exercises are not for twice a week. They are for every single day, multiple times a day. I, whenever I see a patient and, and I give them an exercise to do, um, and then they say to me, how often should I do this? I tell them at least every day, and the more, the better. So, okay. you know, that's, that's the minimum, at least once a day, and even that's potentially not enough, and multiple times in that day. The more, the better. Okay.
3: Okay?
0: Gotcha. Okay. Thanks, Mohammed. Appreciate that. You want to reach out, uh, I advise you do so, of course. one eight five 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 Doctor Lou drlou D-R-L-O-U, or info at Pain Care Canada. What, a, uh, what an illustration. It's like two drops of water in an ocean. Seriously, I mean, it's, if you were to say to somebody, you know, how often should I take a drink of water? Ah, twice a week. How about eat? Eh, twice a week. It'll be good. I mean, no, you're doing it three times a day and you're doing it seven days a week. It really makes sense, right? Yeah,
1: and I think a, a, an analogy that works really well for people is if you had pneumonia and you were given antibiotics... To treat that, would the recommendation for the dose be two times a week? Yeah. No, it would probably be three times a day or twice a day for the next ten days, and and even that has an area where it stops. But this is even more akin to say something like diabetes when you're dealing with pain management. It's like okay, you need to take your metformin. Well, how often? Once in the morning, once in the evening, and for how long? Uh, for the rest of your life, you know, like uh, so. So that that's sort of the way exercise prescription is: is that you 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 got to be doing this stuff, and it should be progressive. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's a big downfall, um, n- not just with patients, but some, with practitioners as, as well when they're recommending it. I think a lot of people, a lot of practitioners don't do a good job of stressing how important it is to do this all the time. And I mean, I, I very much, when I sit with a patient, I, I, I'm not even sorry about it. I tell it like it is. I'm like, you got to be doing this all the time. Like this is, this is something that you have to do. And if you do it, and your sister-in-law is a good example. Right. right when I saw her, I told her, and you're telling me she's doing really well. Um, that's because she's got to do it, and she is doing it. So if you if you do it, you get the outcomes that that the the way you put in is what you'll get out.
0: You know, it's, and it's amazing every time I see her at the mall or she comes over. It's like Cam, are you doing your stuff? She goes, Yeah, yeah, did it today. I got to go home and do it in two hours. And it's like it's not just the fact that her back is better now; it's the fact that her whole her whole demeanor is better, her her face is lighter, she's filled out better, she's happier, and I'm like, this is all from being diligent about this stuff. I don't know why people, and and you can probably count on, if you had enough hands, of how many people think, you know, they go to see someone like you, they get quote-unquote physio done, and then they just go home, like they're getting an oil change in their car, and it just doesn't work that way. No, no, absolutely not. And, you know, sometimes the passive
1: interventions do work, but they're often temporary. I mean, it's like, you meet a lot of people that will say, oh, yeah, I have back pain and, you know, I'll go for massage, for example. OK, great. So right. how does that work? Oh, yeah, I feel, you know, I feel good for a few days after the massage and then slowly it starts to come back. Well, yeah, that, that's what you can expect out of those things. And that doesn't mean those are not things you should be doing. You should be doing it as long as you understand. And and the problem, I think, is a lot of people do these things expecting for a cure and they'll get to the point where they're like, you know, I've gone for a massage now 10 times and I'm not cured. And it's like, well, you're not going to get cured having a massage. That's that's management of the issue. It's to release tension. But those things will come back. Because, I mean, if you've got tension in your upper shoulders because you work at a computer every day... You think that's going to stop tension from coming back when you're at the computer the next day? Right. No, absolutely not. It's going to come back. You need to be doing some stretches in order to release that tension, and you got to manage it. And massage still becomes part of that plan of management, but it's not the only thing. And it, and, and, and if you can compound
0: the amount of things that you do, you will get better results. We'll take a, a short break and get those phone lines, uh, filled up for you. You got time and you got, uh, you got space as well. 416 870 star 640 on cell. It's a call-in show. We'd love to talk to you between now and 12 o'clock. Feel free. You got time. It's the Dr. Payne Show. Returns here on Global News Radio. It is 1141 on the Doctor Pain show you want to reach out when the show is not on every Saturday it's one eight five 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 55 Dr Lou drlou info at paincarecanada.com but for the remainder of this show uh feel free to call in and ask your questions if you have uh pain concerns health concerns that's why the show is on here every week 416 870 6400 star 640 on cell talk a little bit about the uh, the process as far as uh, you know coming in for a, a you know a checkup with you and just getting things rolling how does it work
1: so the assessment. So give me a call first. We'll always start with the consultation on the phone where I'll give you a call back. We'll discuss. Um, I mean, and and that's always important because sometimes if you're already doing the right things or if I'm not the best person to be seeing, we don't want to waste anybody's time. Um, and so once you do come in to see me, uh, you'll be required to fill out forms, of course. And those forms are, you know, a detail of the of, of what's going on, um, a little bit about your past health history and those types of things, any relevant medical information like medications or other comorbidities that you might have. Um, from that point, then we you come in we we go through a thorough history. Um, the history is very much focused towards whatever the issue is and then whatever other relevant things I think would relate to that and that 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 history component, you know, can sometimes take, you know, 15 minutes just on its own and we have a conversation. And and that's really where I start to do the investigation, right? Like the, the asking the questions really starts to uh, help determine which way I should go with the physical exam. Um, then in a physical exam, I mean, a physical exam always includes uh, four or five basic things. Number one, observation. Observation is important because just looking at somebody, the way they're standing potentially could tell you a lot of things, right? So, and, and, and this is hard to say, but- you know, the gentleman we just had, if I'm observing him and all of a sudden his right knee is slightly flexed compared to his left knee, that starts to tell me something. If I'm looking at that person with spinal stenosis and they're hunched forward, Characteristic of spinal stenosis. So, so the observation process is very, very important, and I do a detailed observation. After the observation, we always do a range of motion of whatever area, and usually an area below and above. So, if I'm dealing with a knee issue, not only will I assess the range of motion in the knee, but also look at the range of motion of the hip and the ankle, um, because often the joints above and below very much are interconnected with the joint in the middle. Uh, from that point, we then move on to neurological testing. Always uh, very, very important because. A lot of neurological diseases can mimic these types of things and neurological testing is great to have an indication of something potentially more serious is going on. So always neurological testing and then we'll go into orthopedic testing. which are specialized tests to look for problems in certain structures. So, if we had, for example, a patient with a knee complaint, and I'm thinking it might be a meniscal issue, then I would do specific orthopedic testing to test the meniscus. If I thought it was an ACL, I would do it towards the ACL. And usually, I do it for all to rule in and rule things out. Then I also do functional testing. So, a lot of these things these are things where you're just testing how uh, how somebody's function is in a certain pattern of movement or um, during an observe uh, during a postural. Uh, Observation and things like that. And then palpation, which includes, like, you know, touching the area that hurts to see what's going on. And that's very, very important. So, those are the basic components that are consistent with every physical exam that I do. Um, All that would change is, you know, if I'm doing it for the low back or for the knee or for the ankle or for the wrist or whatever. Uh, And after that point, that's when we determine, okay, do we need anything else? Do we need some type of specialized imaging? Um, I have uh, a sports doctor there with me. So, if we ever need uh, a, a second opinion. We we have multiple people and I often, I always, I actually like to call in my colleagues a lot and it may not be the sports doctor. Sometimes it might be a chiro, sometimes a physiotherapist, doesn't matter, but sometimes I'll like to discuss um, and just say, okay, hey, well, you know, here's Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so, here's what's going on. Here's what I found so far. Is there anything else that you can think of? I mean, I'm human. I'm not, I, I don't know every single thing. So I, I do like to... Uh, include other people and that jog, and that gets my my thinking going, it gets their thinking going. Um, and then after that, so again, if we've determined, you know we need other testing, we go that route. Um, and then we come up with a diagnosis, a prognosis, and a plan of management. Diagnosis is what's wrong or what's likely wrong, always with some differentials, which means other things it could potentially be to keep in the back of our mind. Um, a prognosis, which is how likely you are to get better. So, uh, a lot of things go into considering what what makes somebody's prognosis, and then plan and management is what are you going to be doing from here uh, going forward.
0: Glad I asked because that's exactly <laughs> what people need to know. One eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou D R L O U. But immediately here on the uh, on the radio this hour, going to talk uh, to some more callers. Hey Rick, good morning. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. What's uh, what's your concern? Go ahead.
4: Um, my dad is uh, seventy seven years old and we're from Northwestern Ontario. So he hunted all of his life. Um, I'll tell you a story. It'll take me about maybe a minute and 10 seconds or so. He, at 40 years old, was building a moose hunting tree stand. He fell out of it. He landed on his feet. He crushed two vertebrae in his back. Uh, they operated, they put in two Harrington rods. hmm Dr. Lou will know what those are. Yes, and, yep. uh, they went back in six months later, so he was in a body cast for the time, and they went back in six months later to take the rods out. One of them had fused into the bone, so they left it in there. Right. Um, now he uh, is 77. He ha- cannot feel anything from his knees down to his feet. They're numb 24-7. Yeah. Um, and he has chronic constipation. And without any sort of, uh, like, a shopping cart that he can hang on to or something, he can't stay on his feet for more than 10 minutes without uh, back pain that he has to sit down. And he's one of those guys who is, like, super pain-tolerant. He doesn't want pain pills. He just deals with it. Mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering if there's anything uh, that can be done for him. I mean, I, I know a pretty good doctor in Kingston and she said he needs to see a neurologist, which he has. And the basically said there's nothing that, that can
1: be done. Well, it, so again, this very much sounds like spinal stenosis, right? Because that's what would be putting pressure. It's just your dad has... So your dad is the example of why some people have more degeneration than others that leads to these symptoms. And obviously trauma, as I mentioned, is one of the things that will expedite the degenerative process. Not to mention there's hardware in there which is also going to expedite the degenerative process. So um, you know, again, the, the only answer and, and usually when you see a neurologist or a neurosurgeon when they say there's nothing that can, they can be done, they usually mean from a surgical standpoint. Um, okay. uh, but that doesn't mean there's nothing that could be done from an exercise standpoint. And so that's the thing. Now that doesn't, and again, we, we we'd have to assess your dad, but you're you're the example of like what I was saying with with Dr. Amandole. You have some people who can't even stand or walk 10 feet and after going through the proper type of physical treatment for this type of physical issue, they can now walk a few hundred yards. Um, yeah. And a lot of it too is also you know, one of the big things. so when you're saying your dad needs, um, to, like a shopping cart, he should have a walker because a walker allows him to stay in a bent forward posture, which takes yeah. more pressure off the nerves. If he stands up straight or goes into extension, that's going to close those holes and that's going to make his symptoms worse. So that's what I mean that that stenosis is also controlled with posture. So okay. this is the one time you would actually want someone to be slouching because slouching is important. It keeps the vertebrae um, open. And so- these are the things, the types of things that he needs to be doing. He needs to be on a program that he's doing every single day. Um, and as he's doing that, again, this does, this is not going to be he's going to be running a marathon one day, but he will be able to – that his, is his best option towards controlling his symptoms right now. That's the best approach that we have um, in the world, which is exercise-based.
4: Speaking of marathon, um, he, he was an alcoholic at the time when he fell out of the tree And I think the booze had something to do with uh, him grabbing a board that wasn't nailed on. However, he quit drinking shortly after that, and he started, uh, he quit drinking, then he quit smoking. Then he started exercising, and he started jogging and Mm -hmm. walking until he was tired, and then he would jog. And within a a few years, he could run 10 miles straight, um, uh, 5 miles out from the house and 5 miles back, Mm-hmm. and uh, he actually was down in Cuba with my mother, and he ran 20 miles straight uh, without stopping, like, just jogging, right? Yep. Um, but But, uh, so, so he got himself in really good shape, and he was in the hospital when he was 51, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but he said that the nurse looked at him and, and asked how old he was, and he said he was 51, and the doctor and said, this is not the body of a 51-year-old man, because he was in such good shape. He mm-hmm. uh, completely changed his diet, and yeah. uh, he actually started to lose hair because he was eating vegetables and boiled fish mm-hmm. that's what he ate. So,
1: yeah, so I mean, and, and those things, That's that's an amazing thing for him to turn his life around like that, but the reality hair. is those types of things, like running running like one of the recommendations for people with spinal stenosis is to limit how much walking they do. But uh, we, we have to take a break right now. And
0: we'll talk a little bit more after uh, about spinal stenosis. Appreciate that call, Rick. And you as well have, uh, have time to call in for the last few minutes of the show. 416 870 star 640 on sale. Dr. Payne show continues, Global News Radio. Still got a few minutes here. It is a call-in show, of course, every week, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. You want to get a hold of Dr. Lou uh, when the show is done, anytime during the week, one eight five 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 855 55 drlou or info at paincarecanada.com. We will be very shortly, uh, probably not maybe this week coming up, but maybe the following weeks from there, sometime it's going to happen, man, where it's going to be slips and falls and ice and all that stuff, and you're going to all of a sudden get really, really busy, right?
1: Absolutely. There's no shortage (laughs) of people that get hurt. But before we go on that, I I wanted to sort of take what we were just talking about. So one of the things with the breakdown of the body to be aware of is that, again, we said anything that the trauma that's induced will create quicker breakdown. Mm Mm-hmm. Exercise can also be a form of trauma. So in that, in, in the last caller's example with his dad running that much and doing those things with the problem that he had. So this doesn't mean that everybody... So I want to caution this by saying that that doesn't mean that everybody that exercises intensely will have greater breakdown. But certain body types and certain predispositions or certain injuries that you had compounded with, with a lot of exercise... Can lead to greater breakdown. So, mm-hmm. I, I watched recently uh, a, a Netflix documentary about Ronnie Coleman, um, who was right. a, a, you know the most A-time famous Eight-time Mr. Olympia. Yeah, yeah. most famous bodybuilder ever. He's absolutely ruined right now with his low yeah. back with the amount of weight. Now he's an extreme example, right? Because most people are not bench pressing or, or deadlifting you know, nine hundred pounds. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Or dumbbell pressing you know one hundred and fifty pounds on each arm. So, but that is the type of stuff that can happen with a lot of things. So a lot of people. You know, who might not have the right body type, let's call it, for running, who are running, will have a breakdown of those areas sooner than someone who has a more ideal body type for running. Um, and this is where functional assessments are important as well, because you can see someone who knows what they're talking about, like me, and I can tell you which things are likely gonna be better for you based on even family history, right? Like, even taking into consideration, if you say, yeah, my mom had her hips replaced. Um, or my dad had his hip replaced, or both of them had their hips replaced. Well, now you already have a genetic predisposition towards hip replacements. You know, should you be running and putting all that te- all that pressure through those hips? Maybe, but maybe not as much as you want to run. Maybe ten kilometers is too much. Maybe you should be doing one or two kilometers a day and and delaying it. And so these are important things to consider. That you know, exercise is also trauma, and, and we're in a very You know, I think in the last 10 years, the landscape of fitness has changed very much with the intensity and the types of exercises that people Uh, are doing, and we don't know what the consequences and the breakdown of the body will be from an arthritic process with those things. And that only time will tell, and I could be absolutely wrong, but I I could theorize uh, based on my knowledge that I think a lot of the things, the high intensity things that are being done will lead to greater and greater breakdown of these things because, I mean, humans are designed to move, but we're not designed to do a lot of the things that we're doing. Doing. So um, it's an important thing to consider.
0: You know, it, it's, it's funny, and I was I was just talking about Ronnie Coleman, and, um, an extreme example, sure. I mean, I remember reading an article where it says, you know, the five oxy tablets he uses every day, ten surgeries to his back and hips. I mean, this is a guy who was massive. He and uh, you know he was the top of the bodybuilding world, but yeah, I mean, you know his his body's not that much different than yours or mine when when it when it comes right down to it. And look at the type of stuff he's done to it. And he's fifty four. You and can imagine 54. if he lives another forty years. And, right?
1: and genetically, he was just already in better shape. So again, I'm not. Yeah, this doesn't right. apply to everybody, and I want to make sure that I make that clear. And some people might do these things, and it's absolutely great. But that person's example, yet Harrington rods put in um, and fusion of your spine. Running wasn't probably the best thing. It's good because it got it. Cont- it helped him in other ways, but that doesn't mean we can't supplement exercise running instead of cycling, right? Like we could have just swapped it, and, and and had he seen someone who understands this, they could you know we could have turned around and said, hey, it's great that you're. You know, wanting to get healthy and exercise, but you should maybe focus more on cycling versus running because it's going to be less impact and less degeneration throughout the spine. And those are important things um, to consider. People with scoliosis, hip issues. I used to myself run a ton, um, and I don't run as much anymore because when I was young, I had uh, something called late calf perthes, which is a a hip disease, um, Mm -hmm. which essentially means I'll need a hip replacement sooner than most people. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons why, number one, I, I can't anymore because there's just too much pain if I do do those things. So I have to change that. And it's important to, to know your limitations and where to change and what to do so that you can delay a lot of these things.
0: And it's amazing when somebody comes and sees you. I mean, the advice you can give can change that. I know, for instance, for me, as we taught before, running was never my thing. Even now that I'm like what 192 pounds, I'm relatively lean for my height. To say 192 I, years old. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like, like <laughs> no. today. But I, I, I'm just, I never have been, nor could I ever run. My knees, my legs aren't built for it. But we tried cycling uh, under your recommendation, and I, I, I was doing 100k uh, rides during the summer, and it, it, what a world yeah. of difference! Yeah, right? exactly. And cycling is one of those things that's you know potentially good for anybody.
1: Because because there's not a lot of impact uh, that goes yeah. through the body with that. So it's a, it's a great ex- it's
0: a great form of exercise. Only problem with cycling is if you want something like the rear end to keep up your genes, you're going to destroy it with a bike because it does nothing for your butt. <laughs> does nothing. You'll have a flatter ass than you ever can imagine from riding oh, sorry, a bike. Sorry, right? sorry to disappoint you on that one.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: one more time before we uh, wrap it up. How do they get a hold of you and how does it work with the uh, consultation, the assessment? one 55
1: doctor lou D-R-L-O-U. Give me a call. Leave me a, a voicemail or send me an, in, uh, an email at infopaincarecanada.com. At I will get back to you. We'll set up a time to speak. Um, if you need to come in for an assessment, I will have someone from my team call you. And then my assessment times, I can usually get people in in a two week period um, because all we do, all I do is, is new patient assessments uh, for that exact reason. And I have other people doing the therapy mm-hmm. interventions. And that's all designed so that we can get people in quickly. And you're
0: covered in the GTA and uh, beyond, so and beyond, it doesn't matter yes. where you live, right?
1: Yep. Good news in the new year with some
0: new uh, clinics that you could see me at. We'll, that are all, all to come in January. Awesome. That's all coming up, and we'll be back here next weekend as well. The Dr. Payne Show right here on Global News Radio.